News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 144 of the Luke Messias Show. Today we've got another episode on the transitioning of children in Texas. And why we have a new episode on this issue, even though it's an issue we've covered quite extensively, is because there's been new developments. And so we have some stuff to talk about. Representative Matt Krause, who's a chairman in the Texas House of Representatives, who's also running for district attorney in Tarrant County, was formerly running against Ken Paxton, our attorney general, has issued a statement this last Friday calling out Ken Paxton for not issuing an opinion on whether or not the transitioning of children is child abuse in Texas. And I'm going to read for you his statement here in just a second. Um, But before I do that, let me just remind you and kind of set the stage for why this happened. The Texas Senate passed two different bills to end this barbaric practice. The Texas House failed to pass legislation taking care of the issue. At what point uh, we went into subsequent special sessions and the governor, Greg Abbott, was pressured by a lot of different people, including the Republican Party of Texas, to simply support and put on the call legislation to stop the transitioning of children. And there have been bills by Bob Hall, Charles Perry, Steve Toth and Matt Krause to all handle this in some form or fashion. And so – um. Greg Abbott told Mark Davis, we played this on episode 140 for you, but Greg Abbott told Mark Davis that uh, the votes were not in the legislature to pass a ban on sex change surgeries for children, uh, which Matt Krause disputed. He actually proved the governor wrong by going out and collecting 76 co-authors for his legislation to show the governor that if you put it on the special session call, the only people that will kill it would be Stephanie Click, Dustin Burroughs, Dade Phelan, um, which some of them have killed it before, but they would be forced to kill it again. And we cover all of that process extensively on episode 140. So I don't want to go into too many details on all of that. But episode 140 covers that. Matt Krause put out a statement because um, Greg Abbott told Mark Davis on his show, hey, I've got a silver bullet to solve this problem. Don't worry. I'm going to fix it without the legislature. And he asked CPS to issue a ruling to call just the surgical removal of a child's genitals, child abuse. Now, this was a very carefully crafted letter. And it was carefully crafted because they didn't want to get into whether puberty blockers, chemical castrations, the actual transitioning psychologically of these children was also child abuse because that would cause all sorts of problems. In fact, the Texas Tribune even said in their report, as did other experts, that, well, this is a really narrow issue and it's an issue, it's a surgery that's rarely done. So the 1,500 or so kids that are getting transitioned in Texas, that's like five of them. So the the letter that Abbott wrote to CPS was so carefully crafted to make sure that the 95% of children getting transitioned in no way would be disturbed by the ruling that their transitions would be able to continue up until the point of that final surgical removal and transition. And so Matt Krause and Representative Brian Slayton both sent letters to CPS basically saying, like, we want some answers on this issue and CP, and then Ken, Matt Krause also asked for an attorney general opinion because an attorney general opinion is much stronger than a CPS letter. Basically, you have Greg Abbott asking his state agency that's very loyal to him, hey, put a letter out that makes me look good, and they did. And Matt Krause was smart enough to basically say, 
Like, that doesn't really stop this. We need something more. In fact, we probably need a law, which we get into a little bit. But an attorney general opinion would be stronger than a CPS commissioner's letter. So he asked Ken Paxton for an attorney general opinion. And that was over 90 days ago, and Ken Paxton has still not issued an opinion. And the real question is, why? We, this does not take 90 days to answer. And in fact, one of the questions I asked Representative Krauss during the discussion is just, why are so many Republicans delaying on this issue, which is what we covered in episode 140. And so there's so many Republican leaders time and time again. And now it seems like you can add Ken Paxton to the list of people dragging their feet on this issue. Again, avoiding this issue. Now, here's the truth, just to understand where we're at. CPS has said this is child abuse. We don't really know if it is, okay? Some people would tell you it's not. It's not child abuse, which is why we need to pass a law to say it's child abuse. And this letter by CPS is just Greg Abbott's way of trying to appease his Republican voters before his primary. He's not trying to solve the problem. And Ken Paxson is in between a rock and a hard place. Because if he says it's child abuse... There's a chance that he has to basically kind of stretch his authority and set precedent for like the AG's office to be able to single-handedly determine if something is child abuse, even if it's not on the books as child abuse. Which, as you can imagine, if a Democrat were to take over, they could do all sorts of stuff with that. So that's the danger if he goes that direction. The other direction is that he could say it's not child abuse. A letter from CPS doesn't make something child abuse. You have to put this act as child abuse in the statute. But here's the problem. That basically calls out Greg Abbott's magic solution that he told Mark Davis he had. His silver bullet. I've got a creative way to fix this. It wouldn't be very creative if it didn't work. And Ken Paxson is running for re-election and he's Contested by George P. Bush and Eva Guzman and now Louis Gohmert, who's running, who's got a very conservative credentials. And Matt Krause is supporting Louis Gohmert. And Ken Paxson's in a situation where he has to either make Greg Abbott unhappy and call out his way of trying to get around addressing the issue and his very narrow tailoring of how to address the issue. Or he has to basically start to maybe enact some authority he may or may not have. Which is probably why he's not happy that somebody's asking for an opinion. But Matt Krause has asked for an opinion, and the attorney general needs to give an opinion, a yes or a no. I asked Matt this during our conversation. I asked him, do we want a yes or do we want a no? Because I don't know which one we want. The advantage to, yes, it's child abuse is great. Maybe it's harder to do those things. But if it's not in law, it's still really hard to just say you can't do it. So we probably should put it into law. But I think you'll enjoy his perspective, and uh, I'm grateful that Matt was willing to come on the show. Let's get to that conversation now. So, Matt, thank you for coming on. Read your statement on uh, Friday, I think it was, when you sent it out and asked you to, to come on this week. Thank you for coming on. This is an issue, as you probably are aware, we've talked about quite a bit, and I think our listeners are honestly, we've got like a niche listenership. It's like the biggest transgender, you know, concerned people of, of Texas. And so thank you for your statement. We're going to talk about that. I, I've just read it a little bit, but first and foremost, you uh, were running for attorney general. Um, you were the author of one of the pieces of legislation that would have ended this barbaric practice, right, through um, basically limiting the medical 
procedures and uh, announced your campaign for attorney general, but just last week announced that you will not be running for attorney general. You're supporting Louis Gohmert in the race for attorney general, and you're now running for district attorney of Tarrant County, which is the largest red county in America. So why don't you tell our listeners just about that real quick, and then we'll get to your statement to uh, attorney general Paxton. Yeah, and, and thanks again for having me on. Uh, but yeah, uh, our criminal district attorney here in Tarrant County, as you said, the largest red county in mm-hmm. the country. So the, the largest DA's office in the country with a Republican in it. She announced that she wasn't going to run again. And so uh, it was unexpected. It was out of the blue. And so I had a lot of folks in Tarrant County say, hey, we know you're doing this AG thing, but would you consider running for district attorney? Uh, she was nice enough to say if I could, you know, if there was some people that I could pick to replace me, Matt Krause uh, would be one of them. And so we started talking to folks and uh, found that this is an important position. This is a job that uh, someone needs to do. A, a faithful conservative fighter, as we talked about in the AG race, needs to do. So we prayed a lot about it. At the same time, we were looking at that. Louis Gomert, as you said, was talk, talking about getting into the race. And it didn't make sense to have both of us in the race. And, and to be quite honest, he comes with more uh, name ID and more media presence than we did. And so uh, if we really wanted to maximize that conservative lane, uh, we both couldn't be in there. And so uh, there was a lot of positives. So uh, with the DA race, so we looked at it and said, hey, that lane's being filled by Louis in the AG race. There's a need for a strong principled conservative in the DA's race. And so uh, we switched over there and we're really excited about the opportunity. Um, no, that's great. And you, <clears throat> so I want to get to this statement. You sent a statement and we already told our listeners a little bit of the, of the background that led to this moment. And so you have basically put out a statement calling out Ken Paxton um, for basically dragging his feet on, um, on an opinion. And uh, in fact, I was going to, it up here for just a second but but during that statement you know you basically say that he is in a position to end you know end this barbaric practice by declaring it child abuse tell us tell us a little bit about your kind of synopsis of why you think that's the case yeah you know uh unfortunately during the regular session and so far the three special sessions we've had in the legislature uh we have not uh taken up this issue on ending gender modification procedures Um, and and whether that's surgeries or the procedures that lead up to the surgeries, uh, we have not done anything on that. The Texas Senate did, but the Texas House, which I'm still a member of, we have not. And so um, looking for other ways to stop this barbaric practice, as you said. And so the governor had sent a letter to the commissioner at DFPS and said, is, are these uh, surgeries child abuse? Yep. She came back and said, yes, which is good. and, And that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, she came back, but there's really no legal authority. There's no enforcement authority with that. And so yep. our office thought, okay, so we've got this, but there's a lot that happens before you get to the actual surgery, uh, yep. the cross-sex hormones, the puberty blockers. Is that considered child abuse as well? So we reached out to the attorney general's office. This was before I had declared uh, my candidacy yep. for uh, the AG and yep. said, hey, look, uh, we we want a little bit something a little bit stronger on this Mm -hmm. issue. Can you give us an opinion saying that it's not just the surgeries, but it's actually the the procedures and Mm -hmm. the hormone treatments and everything before that? I thought it would be a slam dunk. I thought we'd get an answer back within a week or two saying, absolutely, yes, it is. And that would, while we were working on legislation, again, I still think legislation is much more preferable to an AG opinion. And so as long as we continue to have special sessions, 
I filed that bill every special session. I'll yep. continue to file the bill getting rid of it every special session. But in the meantime, if we could have an AG opinion, especially when the commissioners asked for it, in fact, Representative Brian Slayton followed up with the commissioner and pretty much asked the same question to the commissioner that I asked to the attorney general's office. And the commissioner came back and said, hey, we know there's an AG opinion out there. We're going to abide by whatever the AG says. Yep. So the attorney general is in a position right now uh, if the office wanted to, to come out with an opinion saying it's not just the surgeries, but it's also the procedures leading up to the surgeries that could be considered child abuse under current Texas statutory law, that would put an end to all this almost immediately. And I'm not sure why it's taken over 90 plus days now to get an answer. Uh, when we did that, we knew a, a third special session was coming up. And so we thought, okay, if he says yes, then it gives more validation to the fact we need to take it up in this third special session. If he says no, it gives us more urgency to take mm -hmm. it up in a special session so we actually get it done. Now we're at a point where we just need an answer from the attorney general. It's almost been 100 days, yep. and this should have been an answer that he could have given us in that amount Along. of time. Yep. So I think we're uh, – I, I was looking through the statement, Matt, and I what I definitely agree on is that he's delaying. Right. I mean, there, it's kind of unquestionable, like it's 90 days. He's clearly not giving the answer. I do. I do wonder. And, and you're not the first person I've asked this. I've asked this to several people. I don't know the answer we want Ken to give. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you know, one of the I've, I've somewhat criticized CPS's ruling. Right. One, because I think there was a reason they didn't ask about puberty blockers. I mean, they're like that the questions were so confined, right, to just this surgical procedure. It seemed kind of intentional that these very intelligent people did not think to ask also about the puberty blockers. But then the real question is who defines child abuse, you know? And does, does the attorney general, if the attorney general were to come out and say, yes, all of these things are child abuse, you know, maybe the psychology, maybe the brainwashing of the three-year-old already are child abuse, would that basically say there is no need for legislation, right? Um, and then I guess it could bring up the question of like, well, then why was there legislation to begin with if this already was child abuse? Why was it going on for years? And evidently a bunch of people thought it was child abuse, the attorney general, CPS, the government, but nobody said anything about it. So my only uh, question to that is if, if the attorney general comes out with a statement that says, hey, it's not child abuse. Is that also a good thing because it tells us what we have to do to make it child abuse? Or is your position, and, and I really mean this because like I don't, I don't, I don't have a position one way or the other personally because I, I can't decide. Like I, I like I feel conflicted. It's like I want you to just say it's child abuse, but I also want you to just be honest if it's not child abuse because there's nothing in the law that says it's child abuse. I don't know if that makes sense, but what you, you know, you've looked at the law. You're very familiar with these statutes. Can you give us kind of some insight into that? Yeah, and, and I think that's actually a very good question. And that's what we actually struggled with when we were crafting House Bill 1399, which we had in the regular session, and then we've had iterations of it each special session. Um, do we say it's child abuse or do we go after the medical providers and mm -hmm. go after it that way? We actually came down, at, as you said, uh, on the side of let's go after the medical providers, the insurance, and those who are doing the procedures not necessarily label it child abuse because we have had problems with CPS. Do we want to give CPS another way to weaponize uh, anything against families? We thought that may not be the best way to go. So that's why, and I even said this at the last part of my last answer, we need an answer from the yep. attorney general yep. and, and, and we need to have one. And that's why I was hoping to get that before the third <laughs> special session yep. started. Yep. Because like you said, if you would say, no, it's not child abuse, then we can go and say, hey, 
guys, we have to pass this pass now. This. There's nothing in statutory mm-hmm. framework that allows us to stop this practice that irreparably harms mm-hmm. little boys and little girls in Texas, and we cannot have that happen. So yep. I, like you said, I was okay with the no because yep. we had time to do something about it and use that no uh in a special session we'll keep pushing for that even if he gives us that answer if he says yes then you're right uh even if we disagree on that maybe we do need to come back with Mm -hmm. uh legislation targeting the medical community uh uh, the doctors and the the liability insurance but at least you've given a reprieve to some of these kids in in the in the meantime so i'm not saying it's the best approach i I actually think going after the medical providers is the better approach Mm -hmm. but i'd like an answer if the commissioner dfps says it's child abuse does the attorney general think the same thing? We've seen him act very quickly on other yes. uh, AG opinion requests. What's taking so long here? Yeah. We need clarity one way or the other, and it'll go a long way into helping us. And with, people are talking about a fourth special session. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could use that no matter what the answer is yep. to put pressure um, on whoever we need to put pressure on to try to get this done in a special session. Uh in, in closing, Matt, and I know you, you've got to go, but I'm grateful for your time and coming on and, and talking about this. It, uh, you've been around this issue for quite some time, right? For several years, you've been talking about it. You've been looking at it. You've been evaluating it. You've met victims of um, this abusive you know, practice. What is it about GOP leaders that have caused an avoidance of this issue? Because I just go back and I feel like this is like another chapter in the book of GOP avoidance. You, uh, you know, you talked about it, but but the, I mean, the House Public Health Committee did not even have a hearing on a bill that would call it child abuse. You know, they didn't even have a hearing on that legislation. Um, Dustin Burroughs, I mean, you, you know, you were there when he stuck that at the very end of the calendar, sat on it for a while, then stuck it at the end of the calendar so the Democrats could kill it. The governor came out said there weren't even the votes to pass it, which I know you were uh, very clear to come out and say, actually, there are, because I've worked all the Republican members, and I know that wasn't easy, right? I mean, you have to go out and have these conversations and Democrats to get 76 co-authors. So while a majority of the House has signed on to legislation to move it, it's still not moving. And then you have the governor say, well, I've got a solution. And then you have the CPS thing, but it's so tailored and in my my interpretation is is just trying to avoid the issue, kind of get it put to rest, and then you don't have to worry about it again. Which then you and Slayton and others are like, no, we need to nail this down. So you go to Ken. Now he's delaying it ninety days, and I feel like you could almost write a book about the delay tactics of GOP leaders who are in positions to address the issue. Um, and you say like the current attorney general has it within his power to stop gender modification and the current public health committee, the current chairman of calendars, the current speaker of the house, the current governor, the current attorney general, the current, the current everybody has been in different positions at different times. What is it about this issue that 95% of Republicans have voted to say, yeah, let's fix it. That causes the avoidance in your opinion. I I really wish I could answer that question, but I'd I just can't figure it out because from a policy perspective, it's the right thing to do. And I, I think and talk to Republicans and Democrats, a lot of them understand this is the right thing to do. You cannot be experimenting and, and working on these kids under 18 years of age who have no idea what the ramifications in the long term future is uh, for the decisions that they're making. So many people, again, bipartisan support that it is the right policy to do politically. It's the great policy for the Republican primary voters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a home run for Republican yep. primary voters. 
In the general election, it puts Democrats in a tough spot, right? Radical, um, yep. Because there are a lot that feel like this is this is way too far. Um, yep. It's really the far, far left of the Democrat Party who's really pushing this. Most of your Democrats, and I talked to so many of them on the floor, said this is a bridge too far for me. We can't be doing this. So policy-wise, it's the right thing to do. Politically, in a primary, it's the right thing to do. Politically, in a general, it's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. Uh, so no matter which lens you look through, it seems like it's the right thing to do it's the right policy and so i i don't know i i don't know why we can't get traction uh necessarily on it like you said we have the votes in the house uh let's bring it up in the fourth special session mm -hmm. and even if we don't let's see that we don't right mm -hmm. but let's give it a chance to succeed we know we can pass it in the senate we've seen the votes in the house and even the new people that we've added the brian harrison's mm -hmm. the, uh, lujan's out of san antonio have only yep. increased our odds of getting yes. those things passed and so we have the numbers. We yep. need to do that. Um, and so I, I, I wish I could answer that question for you, but I don't know the answer to that because in every facet that I look at of the mm -hmm. checklist of why we should or shouldn't do this, it comes up. This is definitely something we should be doing. You shouldn't always have to look at the political ramifications to decide mm -hmm. if it's something you want to do or not. But when you have the policy and the politics, it seems like a no brainer at that point. Yep. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a Texan around the state, um, and you're you're wanting to know the importance of a district attorney when it comes to the future of the state, the future of the community. What are some things that they that because I feel like the average voter doesn't really know, right? They kind of know their congressman. Heck, as a state rep, half the time you get called a congressman, right? So they kind of know certain areas of government. Um, but the DA, they're not as aware. But we, we know that George Soros has been in the state funding big DA races all across the nation. He has an agenda with that. What is the counter to that when it comes to a conservative agenda for a district attorney, Matt? That's, that's right. I, well, I think we've really seen it play out, the importance of a good DA the last couple of weeks in Wisconsin and in Georgia and places like that. The Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial probably should have never, ever taken mm. place. A DA who wasn't trying to pacify a woke base would have never would have looked at all the evidence, would have looked, investigated, and said, this person was obviously acting in self-defense. But you put this person through it, you put the whole country through this uh, high-profile case just to try to prove a point and to uh, to fuel a left-wing talking point. So that should have never happened. Then you have Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. Uh, in that uh, situation, the individuals were found not to be acting in self-defense in a committed murder. And the DA in that case initially was not going to press any charges. It was only after pressure was applied. And again, you could have looked at the evidence. You could have done a quick investigation and seen, okay, there's no way these people were acting in self-defense. This is something we have to bring charges. So um, I think a DA's role is to make sure that justice is being meted out fairly across the board. You're having George Soros put all this money into all these DA races, which doesn't support law enforcement, and they're not uh, holding criminals in, in um, they're, they're not holding them for bond or, or for a very low bond, and they're getting out and creating more crime. And so um, you can go way, way, way too far on some criminal justice reform, and that's what George Soros and his DAs bring to the offices. But you can have reasonable uh, criminal justice reform, make the system better, but also support law enforcement, make sure that they feel like they have the tools and the ability to do the job they need to do. That's really what a DA does, is meet, meet out justice effectively, fairly, and consistently across the board, and making sure that they're not doing things for political gain, but making sure they're doing things for the right reasons for justice and for those policy goals that the state's given us to work out. 
last question. And I know you're busy, Matt, and thanks you for giving us um, a little bit of time. I know one of the national issues that a lot of people are hearing about is this bail reform, right? And this has been a big national push, and now there's all this conversation about bail. Um, the legislature has, you know, tried to address this, and and these are. I, I think this is kind of one of those examples of something that went too far, right? There was some there was some attempted reform within bail that now we're realizing uh, this can be abused relatively easily. We've got to try to work to kind of figure out what that system looks like. I don't know this, so this is literally just, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but as a DA, how much does the DA have power and influence over affecting that locally, regardless of whether the legislature is able to do something? And how much of that is just pure judicial decisions? Well, again, we saw just in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where that man mm -hmm. mowed down uh, yep. five, six people, killed them and injured several yep. others. He had been out constantly on low bail, right? Yep. Uh, and the crimes that he was uh, accused of were not nonviolent. They yep. weren't, you know, small, petty things. They were big things. Again, it goes to show a DA who's more focused on left-wing politics than mm -hmm. making sure the community is safe can hurt the community. Now, on the flip side of that, you have to make sure that you're uh, – recognizing people's constitutional rights. You're not just holding them without it for bail if they've done nothing wrong yet, right? Innocent until proven guilty. So it is a fine line. I think Texas actually made some strides in the last special session towards that. Uh, we didn't get a constitutional amendment done, but yep. we got some uh, statutory changes done mm -hmm. that, that give more discretion to local uh, entities, which I think will be good. But it also sets the parameters for what you can do, that universe that you can mm -hmm. uh, allow bail in and, and you know when you can have bond and things like that. So um, it's important to um, you know, respect and appreciate the constitutional rights of those who have been charged but not mm -hmm. proven guilty. But you also have to make sure you're not putting criminals back out on the street time and time again, just because it, it feels good to make sure that they're out on bail. And a part of that was setting it such a low bail uh, and such a low bond mm -hmm. amount that they can meet that. And so part of the DA's job is to make sure that violent criminals who have a propensity to commit that crime again, making sure that those people aren't back on, out on the street. So you set a reasonable bail for the crimes and offenses that they've committed. Got it. Matt, thanks for coming on and uh, appreciate it. We'll see the developments of the attorney general's actions and then the subsequent follow-up actions. My hope is that if he gives us a yes, we know what that means and we can start trying to figure out if, uh, if, if a CPS letter and an attorney general opinion are enough to stop a procedure, or if, uh, if another special session comes up, I hope that you and other people are taking this same tone and approach with everybody who's in those positions who, um, who now has an opportunity to address them. But our hope is um, that at some form or fashion, in some way, Republicans who control a Republican can state can stop transitioning the kids in our state. It seems like um, one of our basic responsibilities. And thank you for uh, the words that you've spoken on this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. And if the answer is no, let's use, uh, let, let's yep. uh, understand that as well and, and move in that direction. Uh, we just need an answer before we can move uh, yep. and really hopefully capitalize on, on the strategy that we need to take yep. next. Yep. Hey, thank you, Matt. Appreciate you coming on. God thank bless you. you. Absolutely. Good seeing you, man. Bye. Again, I'm very grateful that Representative Krauss came on the show. And, and one of the things that we will try to talk about is some of these big district attorney races around the state. Um, I talked about the race there in Tarrant County with Tim O'Hare and Betsy Price and um, why the county judge of the largest red county in Texas is a really important position. Uh, and so I do want to keep having conversations with each and every one of y'all about how even these local races end up being really, really, really important for the direction of our state and the direction of individual communities. Um, guys, at the end of the day, uh, 
you know, Matt Krause said it well when he just said, I don't I don't know why Republicans keep avoiding this issue. It's the right thing to do. It's politically an advantageous thing to do in your primary and in your general. And there is a general avoidance of these cultural issues by our Republican elected elites. And it's very frustrating. And you've heard me be frustrated on this show time and time again. But we'll keep bringing you information. There's a lot of conversations I want to have. And honestly, I'd love to stop talking about this issue. I would love to talk to you about all the other things going on in Texas because there's tons going on. The problem is it's right in front of us and these kids are still getting abused. That's a really hard thing to stop talking about until it's fixed. I hope y'all are talking about it. I hope you're telling your friends about it. You have no idea how many people I come in contact with every week and talk to about this that don't even know it's happening in Texas still. Which is one of the reasons why you have to have platforms like this to be able to get that information out. Thank you for following the show. Share this episode with your friends. God bless you. God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.